This is the EdTech Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. sitting there with a pen and paper. Virtual reality is an interesting medium where students can access a wide range of content. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the EdTech Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Education is continually becoming more personal. And at its best, technology in the classroom is promoting this idea of individualized learning, really giving teachers more data points to make actionable teaching decisions. And one of the leaders in this space is iStation, providing formative assessments, adaptive curriculum, and professional development for school districts around the nation. Here to break down what they do uniquely and the importance of predictive assessment and education are Deanne Jeffrey, Strategic Professional Development Specialist, and Sarah Kood, Regional PD Lead for the Southwest Region. Deanne, Sarah, great to have you both on. How are you doing? Good. We're good, Daniel. Thank Thanks for having us Absolutely. Today. You know, my, um, my girlfriend works in iStation's building. Um, so, yeah, she works for Rainbow Days, nonprofit in your building. Um, so every time I drive by, I see the big I station. And I mean, I think y'all have one of the one of the best buildings in Dallas. Yes. And we when do. our kids drive by on field trips, they get so excited when yeah. they see that big tower. I mean, it just looks like it's made of gold, which means it's going to yes. be a gold conversation. So we hope I so. so. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you both have been in the education space for 20 plus years. Um, tell me a little bit about your background, what aspects of education you've been a part of, whether administrative or in the classroom or both. I think it's good to just get an understanding of where your insight's coming from. So um, my background, I was a classroom teacher for 12 years. I taught every grade in elementary but second. Wow. I don't know how I never taught second Those grade. Those poor second graders, they missed out. I know, they <laughs> really missed out. Although yeah. I taught in an open concept school. Cool. So I was teaching everyone. So it's okay. They might have gotten a little bit of what I was giving to my third graders. A little bit of Sarah. It, yeah. Yes. Well, a long way. Yeah. We don't call her the loud lady from Lubbock. For no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I can project for sure. Um, and then I was a um, district instructional coach, really focused on reading. And I was working on some schools that were underperforming. And we used iStation as a solution to help us solve some of our problems. We were really not meeting kids' needs in the way that we hoped, and this really helped us. So that's kind of my journey here. Love that. And my story's very similar to Sarah's. I was also a teacher for 16 years, teaching first, fourth, and fifth grade. And then um, I was a reading specialist on top of that. Then I was recruited to become a campus principal. And so for the last 12 years of my career, I served as a campus principal in two districts. And in both districts, we used iStation as a very important tool in our intervention process. And so at the beginning, we did not use iStation with Fidelity. And we knew that we needed to use iStation with Fidelity because of the predictive nature of the assessment. We were looking to grow our students and, use, and we wanted to use uh, iStation's tools to help our students grow. And so we brought in professional development and, and uh, trained our whole entire team. We learned to implement with Fidelity. And then when we did, we saw huge growth in student achievement. And we were, we were a good school. The last school that I was in, I'm talking about, in Bells, Texas, we were a good school. But we were trending down in performance. So we wanted to get that trend line going up. Yeah. And 
using iStation with Fidelity was one of our campus goals that year in order to make that trend line move. Well, it must have worked wonders because now you work for iStation. Yes. Yeah, and then it. we got the wonderful invite to join the PDT yeah. to We're help other educators. passionate about it. I love yes. it. Well, you know, I think when one piece of technology or one solution or something can have that kind of tangible effect in the classroom, I think it really goes to show like – you know, it just takes small changes to really have big effects in the classroom. Um, so before we dig in more specifically into what iStation does and how it helped in the classroom, I want to get a larger picture of, um, I think, just the current state of education. So from what I've felt in education personally, what I've seen my sister feel in education and just just talking with other professionals is that education is continuing to change and really get more personal. So I wanted to get your takes on that. How do you think teachers are responding to this trend? Well, we know for sure that one size fits all does not meet the needs of all of our children any longer. And so there have been initiatives at the state level, at the local level, in order to move our teachers to more of a mindset of using data to drive decision making and planning in the classroom so that we can meet the needs of individual students. Absolutely. I agree. I think... I, I think long gone are the days of standing in front of the classroom and lecturing to the whole class. Yeah. Um, we've got the tools. We just now need to learn how to use them effectively. And I think that Deanna and I both agree you could buy a thousand tools, but if you don't know how to use them to really impact your instruction and empower your students, then it's just one more tool. Yeah. So, Really, that's our message is how can you really blend technology with effective instruction to meet all students' needs? And students come to us at all levels. We, they might all be age 10, mm -hmm. but they some might be reading on a first grade level. Some might be reading on an eighth grade level. So right. how do we meet those needs and grow all students? Yeah. And that's a huge challenge. And technology is able to assist us. And that's what's so exciting about exactly. our job. We want to make the teacher's life easier right. so that she can meet the demands of all that her job entails. And Sarah and I have the utmost respect for educators. Absolutely. We're very you know, passionate the buzzword, about supporting them. Exactly. The buzzword is personalized learning. Yeah. But what does that really mean right. when there's one of you and 25 of them? Right. Exactly. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm so glad you brought yes. that up because, I mean, at its core, personalized education is better, right? I mean, right. Like you're, you're getting to reach each student personally. You get to feel their needs and adapt solutions to them. But... It's not like each period of the day is any longer. I mean, you still have whatever, your 45-minute block. It's not like you have that time. So there has to be a way to utilize your tools in an efficient way and for the tools to just be efficient in the first place so that you actually can reach all your students. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what, what does personalized teaching look like in the classroom today in a way that actually reaches everyone and is efficient and creates that needed bond between teacher and student? Well... I think, first of all, you've got to gather some formative data, some information on the student to then craft a plan. Right. I think we've been gathering formative data on students for a long time. Um, we were doing face-to-face -face screeners, one-on-one, -on -one, polling children, one-on-one. -on -one. We've been doing that. I did that 20 years 20 ago. 20 years. Right. But it took a week to pull every child individually right. three times a year. Three weeks of lost instruction right. in a 36-week academic year. We don't have time for that. Right, exactly. So a, a tool like 
iStation, we can easily, through computer adaptive technology, really pinpoint a child's needs. Whether in 30 it, minutes. Exactly. We can assess minutes. a whole class in 30 minutes. So that, like you said, efficient, right? right? We've got to be efficient in order to be effective. So if we can pull this formative data and then really learn how to look at data to create impact. That's yeah. always the key. We can collect a lot of information. Right. But then we've got to really help teachers understand how to use it to best meet the needs of their kids. And you, there's one of you, so how can we use that technology to really then blend face-to-face? Right. And, you know, I really don't even think it's changing the dynamic of the classroom. It's just like making each of those interactions more meaningful. Because Absolutely. now once you have that data and, you know, everyone's working on a worksheet and you go around to you know, Bobby's desk, you already know, okay, based on that quick 30-minute thing they took the other day, he's having trouble with these kinds of words and doesn't fully understand how to do this, but he's excelling here. So when you go around their desk, you can you already know what you're looking for and you know how to help. And so that is that kind of what you're seeing is that it's like just integrated into the process instead of having to make new time for personalized learning. It's just like becomes part of the Yes, it just process. integrates nicely yeah. into your existing English language arts instructional right. time. You just you uh, plan instruction a little bit differently based on students' needs, and then you deliver instruction differently based on the students' needs. So again, it's not everybody receiving the same lesson and reading that day, but everybody receiving instruction in what we call their zone of proximal development, right. that sweet spot of learning, where if we instruct right in that area, it the chances for acceleration quadruple. How are students responding to this push for more personalized learning? I mean, do you hear from them that they like it more? What kind of specific things have you heard from students? that, you know, really speaks to, wow, this is powerful. You know, they, they value this. Well, I think you can measure it to an engagement in the classroom. Yeah. Um, when they are engaged, when the teacher is meeting the child where the child is, um, that creates a bond and relationship that really relationships are what create teaching, best the best teaching in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So it's that it creates that trust. Um and really, I think that the goal is growth. Yeah. So if, if we kids respond to that instead of we all have to reach this finish line all at the same time, even though we all started at totally different starting points, mm-hmm. instead of that, it's can we grow you as much as we possibly can in this school year and then pass the baton to the next teacher? And so... When children get involved in that growth process, it's it's empowering. It's motivating mm-hmm. for children when they see themselves mm-hmm. growing. And so at iStation, we encourage best practices for having students own their data by making that data visible to children mm-hmm. and then letting them watch their growth throughout the school year. I mean, if you can get an eight-year-old invested in their learning, uh, you know, I think you're doing something right. Absolutely. Because... Uh, I'm sure they value it, but you know when you, when when you're that age, like you're also mostly looking forward to I want to go play Star Wars at, yes. at recess, right? right? Well, but if exactly. you can if you can get them to also care that passionately or, or spend that much mental energy on how they're doing, whether it's because you gamify the learning or it's because um, you know you're really open and communicative about this is what you're doing really well and you should feel really proud of that, you know, like I think uh, I think it's really powerful stuff, and the fact that technology is doing that is is great too. So uh, where are you seeing this initiative for personalized education come from? I, I mean, I know there are 
federal and state level uh, initiatives for this, but are you feeling it also at a district level? Um, is it also just coming from individual teachers wanting to try out new stuff and then that motivates larger scale change in the district? I guess what, what are you seeing? Mix of both? Yes, yeah. a mix. I definitely <laughs> yes, started way back when yeah. with um, response to intervention when it was a federal mandate years ago. I have no idea how many, but a long time ago. But that was the point at which we were all charged with beginning to use data to provide evidence of student learning or lack of student learning. Yeah. And then we were also charged with the responsibility of using research-based or ev evidence-based strategies to deliver instruction to our children who were underperforming. Right. And the movement just swept the country. And some of us are better at it than others. And some districts are better at it than others. Right. And some states are better at right. it than others. Right. Well, and Dan and I were talking about this earlier, that we see a mix of both, that it, it could be that a teacher or a classroom really starts seeing some success mm -hmm. or a mm -hmm. school within a district or a district. It's really about student success starts happening and people want to know what are you doing. What are you yeah. doing? Yeah. Because what are you doing? they want that too. You know, right. I've never mm -hmm. ever met a teacher that did not want what what was best for kids. Right. And so they just sometimes don't know what to do or how to get there. And so if we can help design a path to help them get there, once you do that, teachers will follow in districts and states. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I, you know, this is something that I'll get into towards the end of the podcast, but the idea that you know it's been a, a federal mandate or something for a while to look for data and to use data uh, as a, a key part of teaching in the classroom, um, you know, I think led to also just some general dissatisfaction with, okay, we don't just want to use test scores either as yes. the one metric for success, Absolutely. right? One student got a 50, one student got a 100, doesn't mean the student who got a 50 is is worse right. or doesn't understand. It could be that they have issues just with, with the understanding the concept, right, with the way it was taught. So... Having more focused data is, I think, what we're starting to see and something that iStation is able to provide. So let's dig into iStation specifically. Something that you specialize in is dynamic intervention programs, which is kind of your, your namesake. So I wanted to have you break that down for me. What does dynamic intervention program mean um, and what kind of needs does it fill in the classroom? You know, How is it providing this personalized learning that everyone wants, but in a you know, in a really comprehensive way, in a way that utilizes data efficiently? Well, loaded question, so, but yeah. yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's a long but, answer, but, yeah. Daniel. Exactly. Do we have, how long do we have? <laughs> um, you know, dynamic, when I think of dynamic, I think that, I, I think of something that is, can easily be changed and adjusted as needed and provides the biggest impact. Yeah. So, We've already really touched on this idea that we can gather formative data in 30 minutes so that we can get about the business of doing instruction, which mm -hmm. is what we need. So that formative assessment is so powerful, and it really is the driver of then how the teacher designs not only intervention, but can help really drive all instruction yeah. in the classroom. Um, and then we have an interactive, personalized Online instruction, online instruction or yeah. curriculum for students to follow, to work on skills that are independent and just for them so that teachers can meet those individual needs and not have to be doing one-on-one -on -one groups all day long. But mm -hmm. you could have children working. Some children are working on the interactive instruction while you're working face-to-face. -face. 
And then you change it up because the data is monthly, so I can adjust what I'm doing as needed. Absolutely. And another part of the dynamic intervention process is monitoring those students' progress weekly by the teacher. Mm -hmm. And then as a campus principal, I monitored that progress monthly. And we had those professional learning community meetings Mm -hmm. where I sat with each grade level team and we looked at iStation data and other forms of assessment and other classroom data to determine were our students making adequate progress or not. And so monitoring the uh, performance of every individual and expecting growth for all mm-hmm. is another key feature of a dynamic intervention program. For sure. And if a student is not making growth, then problem solving with that team of educators as to why they may not be making growth. Gotcha. And what do we do next? What's our next step? And p- making flexible groups. Right. I think it's that in- that ability to instantly change what you're doing, mm-hmm. that we don't go four months before we realize that a child is not making growth. Right. Um, that even the child that might look like they're reading fluently, there's a maybe a big comprehension problem that we might not have seen on the surface until you start to get some really specific information on them. And our formative assessment gives us that. And then that work in the interactive instruction gives really specific and detailed information to the teacher so that the teacher can then work with face to face. Yeah. Yeah. Then another piece of the dynamic intervention process is that once we see that a student has a skill deficit, iStation also provides teacher-led lessons that are aligned to that student's deficit. So the teacher doesn't have to go search through her files looking for a targeted lesson with a couple of clicks of a button. She can search our uh, product and find mm-hmm. that uh, lesson that she needs. That's dynamic. It's dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is. The, te- the, the lesson is scripted. So if you have a brand new teacher that might have a little difficulty with the wording yeah. or the sequence of the lesson, then that script is there for support. If you have a master teacher who doesn't need that script, then we have the materials that she or he might need for the lesson Great. at your fingertips. Great. So how are the actual assessments structured in a way that makes them accessible and exciting or interesting for the students, but also still capture all the needed data um, in a way that is is really comprehensive for the teacher, right? Because it's got to help both parties and be accessible for both parties. Absolutely. And when the assessments were created, there was a lot of research done to determine the best ways to engage students in a computer adaptive assessment. And then that's the power of a computer adaptive assessment. We can also always keep refining and changing and we gather feedback and they're always looking at items to make sure that they are the most effective possible. Right. So they're animated um, cool. and it, it depends on the age. You know, there's right. going to be a different look depending on their grade. Um, but Children will never feel like what they are working on is somehow different than their peer. That the the face of it all looks the same. Yeah. Now, I might be in fourth grade and I'm reading on a first grade level. It will adapt down to identify those needs and deficits. But you would never be able to tell if I looked over at my friend screen, even though my teacher said not to. Right. But you know they do that. Anyway, I would never feel... a little bit, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I would never feel like I wasn't doing what my peers were doing. And right. so that's that's really powerful, too. For sure. No, I mean, that is... That kind of interpersonal dynamic that students have, I think, is, is sometimes 
just not really thought about, you know, like handing out the color-coded test or something. Someone has the blue sticker on it, someone has the pink sticker. I mean, immediately people are going to be thinking, okay, why is mine different, right? And that starts to, you know, if you feel yourself maybe falling behind, that doesn't really do anything to help you. Absolutely. All it does is build, like, more resentment. Deficit, yeah. and, like, it's deficit thinking instead yeah. of right. growth. And your confidence just decreases. Right, exactly. So, and your self-esteem, and yeah. we don't want that for any child. Exactly, exactly. I mean, this is the time to be building up self-esteem. Yes. So the fact that the technology can kind of hide those changes is really important. It's something that I've seen from other, um, not like direct parallels to what iStation does, but just other um, ed tech softwares out there, I think are experimenting with the same thing. I think it's it's very important for the technology to to not create more animosity wow. or Equality. create tension. Right. It right. needs to, to level the playing field for everyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what are the specific fields of study that iStation... Um, programs are used in? Is it used uh, all across the classroom or just for specific ones and why? Well, iStation Reading is our, I guess you'd say, oldest product. Mm -hmm. It's 20 years old. And so we've been around a long time in reading. And then math and uh, Spanish are our newest products. iStation and Espanol. Going on five years. And then Espanol is... Four or five years old. Four years old. Four-ish, four, yeah. four-ish, four-ish. Well, really, so we're looking at English and Spanish literacy mm-hmm. and math, which are the foundational skills for everything else. Right. <laughs> um, so, and I, I think the main thing to note, too, is that just because we're working on reading skills doesn't mean that it can't be embedded in science and social studies content, which right. we do that all the time. Our curriculum, really, that's we pride ourselves on that, that we're making sure reading is not an isolated skill just in your English language arts class. Right. You're building up those skills to be able to comprehend any text that comes in front of you, and it might be to address the science standards or to address the Social studies standards. Right, or the history of Mesopotamia or whatever. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But that I can think critically and respond to the text for sure. It's cool that you focused in on the core core of learning, that you didn't necessarily have to build out something super specific for every single field of of study in in the elementary school classroom or middle school classroom. Um, You know, it's the fact that it's focused on the core subjects, I think, actually makes it more flexible in a way, mm-hmm. you know, um, because, yeah, you're right. Being able to cognitively dissect some reading in science class or in math class or English class or whatever, it, it's all using the same skills. Yeah. So I clues say reading everything. is the most important life skill we teach in yeah. school. And so we're Absolutely. proud to be a company that helps teachers do that. Yeah. So something that's also really important for iStation to succeed at a school is building a powerful team around implementing iStation, right? You need to, and I think this is, this can be said for any sort of rollout of software or anything, any large scale implementation of something. You need the people up top, you need the teachers, you need everyone sort of on board and doing their part in making sure that it's used effectively. So what kind of people do you need to to buy in to the idea of iStation for it to work effectively? And how does each role kind of play into the, the success of iStation? Well, I have a big opinion about that, Okay, Daniel. I was like, go, Dan. has some words about it. I do. And I was a campus leader principal for 12 years. And 
district leadership is hugely important and their support in helping implement a new initiative on your campus is mm-hmm. important. But the campus leader, the principal of that campus, that is where the responsibility falls to for leading up this important initiative. Cool. And so that campus leader needs to surround himself or herself with a, a team that can help pull this off, a team of campus leaders. First of all, the campus leader, the campus principal, has to have a solid understanding of the impact that effective intervention programs have mm-hmm. and what are the pieces of an effective intervention program or process that must be put in place in order to really have a positive impact on achievement. And so one of the biggest struggles that um, intervention teams and principals face is trying to find time to provide high-quality intervention for uh, every kid on the campus who needs it. So you have to, with your team, which is typically your assistant principal, your counselor, and then a grade level representative Mm -hmm. from um, each grade on your campus. Then after our intervention team is created under the principal's leadership, then for this initiative, we really want to get a clear implementation plan written down. Okay. So that we can clearly articulate. Expectations are very clear to the yeah. staff what is expected yeah i mean i think that's almost the most important part is is getting is everyone the, on board yeah yes. most important part and yeah. making it clear here's yes. what we expect and why and the why is always because we want every student to be successful yeah. right well, I mean, like, regardless of what you implement, uh, every new piece of software or new process, like, there's there's a bit of a learning curve in getting everyone on board with here are the steps you need to follow. And so you need everyone, I think, beyond just here's why it's cool. It's like here's why it's going to help your students. Here's why it's going to increase test scores and make, a, you know, the general teaching process more personalized. And getting people to buy into the why I think is probably the most important part. Yeah. Because if they, if they feel it personally, it's like, this is why the technology is helpful, then then you're going to have more success with it than it's just a process people need to follow. Right. right. And that, yeah. again, back to that campus leadership, that principal has the responsibility of monitoring the progress of the implementation mm-hmm. to be sure that it's not just okay. a one and done. Here, teachers, go forth and implement this plan. Right. But that you have real conversations with teachers frequently mm-hmm. in your meetings that you're about in the trenches how, with them. how it's going. Right. Because you're going to have to monitor and adjust along the way yeah. in order to meet the needs of the teachers and the kiddos. I, I mean, that's, that's say, why it's dynamic. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I always <laughs> say that really the, the implementation is almost just a bigger scale of what's happening in the classroom. Mm-hmm. That we're looking at the school-wide data to form and inform how to adjust systems in our buildings. Because it really can reveal where there might be some broken systems that we need to adjust and change. So it's really powerful when it's used in a way that it was intended to be used. Right. We have many success stories across the country. Right now, we've got um, a district in Twin Falls, Idaho, that has been... They've, they've been nominated for, I know, for a Global Impact Award for really student achievement and growth and taking a plan and following through with it with fidelity. They, they really saw a need to beef up how their teachers were using data. And so they created a clear blueprint that teachers followed, that administrators followed, and they saw huge gains. And now they're up for a 
an award. A huge award. And it's also to do with implementing technology to impact instruction or impact learning. And so. Wow. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think think the concept of how do you measure success Mm -hmm. with something like iStation is really important. But I think you just answered it. You know, having a plan in place, you already sort of know what your goals are. So by the time, right, by the time it's time to look at the data and the numbers, you sort of already know what you're looking for. And it's not just an array of information that you're like, okay, how do we piece this into something actionable, you know? Um, So would you say there's anything beyond the the main blueprint for ensuring that you measure success correctly? You know, is, is there another key piece? I think constantly identifying needs. Yeah. You know, once you've solved one, then th- let's go to the next one. I mean, there's there's never an end to the needs. That is the key to becoming the most efficient you can be is yeah. just constantly changing and yeah, and we're we're wanting to create readers and problem solvers for life. Yeah. And we want to be a part of helping teachers teach those most important life skills so that we can have Happy, successful adults who right. can go on to college or to trade school or into the military or do whatever their little heart desires, mm-hmm. but have the education in which to do that. Right. And iStation helps us help teachers with that huge um, goal. iStation helps teachers help helps, the students. Yes. A lot mm-hmm. of helping. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So last thing is, you know, we kind of talked about number heavy or data heavy insights um, and the idea that we need to personalize our education. So you know, how do you move away from just the test score or just the numbers being what informs the decisions here? So give me an example of how the information that you get from an iStation assessment can be like really nuanced and really, really focused on, okay, this student is lacking here. We need to make X decision. You know, just give, give me one of many examples. Well, that that is a very complex question. Mm-hmm. I think really getting down to the skill level is what is so important. So you can identify, is it vocabulary in reading? Is it number sense in math? Is it operations in math? Mm -hmm. Is it comprehension? Really being able to, you know, we are all bound by the state standards. Mm -hmm. Those standards were built from skills, And so we've got to be able to identify, are there certain skills that are preventing students from being able to master the standards? So being able to really get down to what's the most foundational skill that we need to start working on to fill in holes, to then scaffold to the more complex skills. And our data tells us that. Exactly. Our monthly assessment tells us what the Mm -hmm. student's strengths and weaknesses are. And then when they work in our online instruction, we also have the technology that allows the online instruction to tell our teachers mm. very specifically what skills students are lacking. And then you can even also start looking at trends campus and district-wide. You know, do we see that vocabulary, we're struggling across the board? Right. So I know that's something Twin Falls experienced. They, when they started really, number one, you have to assess with fidelity. So we're getting the data on every student every month so right. then we can start to look for this. So, and Twin Falls was really proud yes, of their so of the fact that 95% of their students were assessing every month. And awesome. that, was, right. that was a big it's improvement key. for them. 
Exactly. So then they were able to identify the skill that vocabulary was a struggle. So then how can we district wide go about providing supports to the teachers and the students specifically in vocabulary? So those are some, I mean, it can be big, it can be small. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest takeaway is that the sort of dynamic decisions you make like it really helps inform if they need to be small scale or if they need to be large scale or somewhere in between. You know, is this something that the entire district needs to refocus how we're teaching X thing? Mm-hmm. Or is this something that just this one teacher is struggling with with 100%. getting, you know, this yes. one thing across in one subject? You know, it can be that focused or it can be that grand. And I think that flexibility is what's needed in the classroom today. Absolutely. Yeah. Agree. I mean, yes. We don't we don't wait. We start right we away. Proactive. Proactive. Yes. I love it. For sure. All right. Well, Deanne, Sarah, I really, really enjoyed our conversation today. Um, you know, I always enjoy chatting with educators. I've got a personal love for education. And, you know, I had a lot of great educators growing up. And though we didn't really have this sort of dynamic technology, you know, I think the seeds were there. Uh, I was just lucky enough to have teachers that valued personalized education and valued bringing that to each of their students. But I think now it's just becoming so much easier with the the tools at teacher's disposal. And one of them is obviously iStation. So it was a pleasure getting to chat with both of you, getting your thoughts on it, um, and really getting a sense for how is personalized education changing right now and why is it so important in the classroom. So I'm really looking forward to getting you both back in here soon. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.